Well, I am so excited to be with you guys this morning. I was thrilled when, when Pastor Lyle asked me to come and share with you this morning. And I'm a, I'm a teacher by trade. I love to teach. But I actually feel led this morning just to tell you some stories. Uh, but because I'm a teacher, I want to make sure that at least something I say is inspired this morning. I have a, a, a mentor in my life who said, hey, Alan, whenever you preach, always read something from the Bible. That way, at least something you said that morning would be inspired. So I'm probably going to teach for about 10 minutes, and, um, and then I'm just going to tell some stories. Now, it's important for my heart that you know that Lyle has not asked me to speak on anything specific. He just called and said, hey, we're starting a four-week series uh, on generosity, on giving and tithing. Would you come and share? He did not ask me to tell me specific stories. He did not tell me to preach anything. Um, so he's not in charge of what I'm saying today. So if I say something that rubs you the wrong way, I, I don't apologize, but please come and speak to me, but it's not his fault. <laughs> So with that in mind, this morning, what I want to talk to you about is understanding the end times. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to speak to you about something way more controversial than that. I want to talk to you about our money. I, I want to start in Matthew 19. This is me preaching for about 10 minutes. Someone set a timer for about 10 minutes. I just want to preach to you. Because actually I was praying for you and I felt like the Lord gave me something for your church fellowship, which we'll unpack in this. And then I'm just going to tell you story after story after story. We're going to start in Matthew 19, verse 16. It's a well-known story. Lord, as we read your word this morning, would you open our hearts? Lord, even as you made us laugh just then, Lord, as we're laughing, would you deposit truth into our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 19, 16. Uh, and this is the, the story of the rich young rulers. This really wealthy man comes up and he says, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? The most important question we can ask. Jesus, have you ever noticed that Jesus sometimes asks a, answers a question with a question? Does he ever do that with you in your own personal life? You're just like, that's so frustrating. The thing is, when he asks you a question, it's not because he's unsure of the answer. It's because you are. And so he's drawing truth out of your heart. So he says this, why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The young man inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and your father, love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So it's a story we've probably heard before. This really rich young man comes to the Lord. He asks for eternal life, and Jesus gives him the answer. And this young man, he protests, and he's like, I've already done that. And the Lord's like, great. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. And we realize that the end result, what, the way the man left was different from the way the man came. The man came towards him for eternal life, but went away sad. We've got to be careful that in our pursuit of the Lord, that we actually get what we're pursuing. 
Because this man didn't want to trade what he had for eternal life. Now, here is a paradigm I have noticed. I've been in ministry, I don't know, over 10 years. I've noticed that most people follow the Lord up until their will contradicts his will. So we're all like, yeah, I'm following Jesus. It's amazing as long as he's doing exactly what I want. But the moment what he asks us to do that costs us something more than we're prepared to pay, we start backing away. And if we're honest, at times, we want to follow the Lord on our terms. I'm only getting three preachers this morning. Let me say that again. Maybe it's my Scottish accent that's confusing you. If we're honest, there's times when we want to follow God on our terms. We want to follow God and keep our God. See, he wanted eternal life and his idols. In this case, his idols was wealth. It's important that you understand that God was not after his money. God was after his idols. Now you say, well, how do you know that? I'll tell you how I know that from, this, from the text in a second. The reason I know that God didn't want his money, and the biggest irony about this whole story, and the biggest irony in everything Lyle and me and whoever else is speaking in the next four weeks is, God is not after your money. He's after our hearts. Here's why I say it's the biggest irony. Here's why I say that God doesn't want his money is that had this young man sold all that he had and given it to the poor as Jesus told him, he would have been given 100-fold of what he already had. Now you're like, Alan, I did not have you down as a prosperity preacher. (laughs) If I said to you this morning, how many of you would like a 100-fold return on everything you have in your life by following Jesus? You would be skeptical that I'm preaching heresy. But I'm preaching what Jesus says in the very next verses. Look at this. Verse 29. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, everyone who has left houses, anyone sold their house and given all to the Lord yet? Or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, which, by the way, was their savings account, their current account, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. See, for this young man, he went away thinking it was either eternal life or wealth. But Jesus is not saying that. In this passage, he's saying a hundred times what you have and eternal life wow. just without your idols. Wow, come on. Amazing. Man. Apparently not. <laughs> My question to you this morning is what if what you have is keeping you from what God wants to give you? Look at this, my second verse, and then I'm done preaching. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. I want you to consider this in a different light. It says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. My question for you is, if the love of money is a root of all evil, then why does the Lord often use money to deliver his blessing? If the, love of, uh, if the love of money is a root of all evil, then why does the Lord often use money to deliver his blessings. Because it's the love of money that's the problem, not the money itself. 
Now lean in for a second. The reason that blessing often comes in the form of finances is for two reasons. One, the Lord wants to bring increase to your lives, and money is great bait to use when fishing for idols. I'm going to tell you some testimonies in a second. I have noticed that the more I get, the harder it is to tithe. Or let me put it a different way. The more I get, the harder it is to give because the giving increases commensurately with my receiving. If I give you 100 bucks today, you give 10 bucks. If I give you $100,000, now you're like, $10,000 is a lot. I don't really want to give that away. I mean, I believe in principle, but the reason that happens is mammon dies slowly in our hearts. And God is insistent in blessing you without blessing being the reason for your downfall. Wow, wow, so good. Let me me ask you this. If God answered all your needs, what would you have to pray about? So how is it God can be a good father and increase your life without causing that increase to cause you to be proud and depart from him? See, God gave us some pretty spectacular tools for keeping our lives free from the love of money while being able to add more money to our lives. This is the genius of God. He gave us some tools to bring increase without increase causing a decrease in our connection to him. It's called tithes. And it's called offerings. Now, I know that Pastor Lyle preached on tithing last week because I listened to it. You did a great job. I was listened to it. I was all inspired on Friday. But the tithe does two things. It keeps our hearts circumcised before God, and it also protects that which God has given us. Wow. Wow. Offerings do two other things. Offerings test the heart while bringing increase. Let me, I don't have time to unpack this. Your tithe will protect your money. Your giving will determine your increase. So I'm going to be a little bolder than Pastor Lyle was last week. He was suggesting you tithe. I'm suggesting you tithe plus plus. And I'll tell you why in in just a second. I I want to end my preaching part with this quote from from Bill Johnson, who's just, do you follow Bill on Twitter? Like, he can say more in a, you know, 240 characters than most books can. He said this, "When, when you have little... Sacrifice is easy, generosity is hard. When you have a lot, generosity is easy and sacrifice is hard. The Lord wants us to be in a continual state of growth in both these areas. How you get good at allowing God to bring increase and for you to increase the meekness on your life is through tithes and offerings. I have preached my sermon. Let's do an all or call. Amen. Now, am I right in thinking I have to be done at 10.25? Which gives me plenty of time for story time with Uncle Al. (laughs) So, 
Pastor Lars right. One day he calls me up and he's like, bro, do you want to grab lunch? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to grab lunch. This is not an uncommon thing uh, for Lyle and I to have lunch together. So we uh, drive over to Sopapillas for some amazing Mexican food. And I meet Lyle. He is buzzing. I mean, man, he is just jacked up. And I'm like, bro, are you okay? And it's 2016, and he just wants to sit down, literally just sits down, machine gun talks at me for, I don't know, an hour, just telling me all about the amazing miracles him and Ali have seen, and he's telling me about increase, and he's telling me everything he's learned about the tithe, and so I'm listening. Now, you need to understand, AJ, my wife, and I, we've been tithers since day one. Like, I remember being taught as a child to tithe. We have always tithed in our marriage. Um, we've always done that, and I thought we were doing great, but Lyle very kindly just let me into kind of behind the scenes of him and Ali's most recent financial decisions, like, hey, this is what we're deciding to do, and I'm not going to uncover the the privacy of our conversation, but he talked about how him and Ali had decided to give above and beyond the tithe. They, They set a percentage in their head, they talked about it, and said, guy, babe, let's just do this, and so they are tithing at X percent. Now, what he didn't know was I was already tithing above 10%. And I thought I was doing good till I heard how much they were giving. <laughs> and then I was challenged. Now, I am not a competitive person. So it wasn't like, oh, well, you're tithing. Well, I'll see your tithe and I'll raise you. I was just inspired. I mean, I'm always inspired. Every time I'm around Lyle, I, I, like, I have this inspiration for the lost. And like, I'm not doing enough for the kingdom. Like, so I, you know, it's iron sharpens iron. But this is what was happening financially. And so we're talking, but as we're talking, he stops me in my tracks. He's just telling me everything he's like. He's not, he, he knows that I know what he's talking about, but his enthusiasm is encouraging me. And so he was just saying, bro, this great example of tithing. Listen to this. And he did the same thing he did last week, which if you were here, you know, he had his 10 apples. And let's say we're apple farmers and here's my harvest of 10 apples. How much do we give to the Lord? And I'm like, I know this answer. We give him one apple because that's a 10th of 10. And he's like, very good, but which apple? And I'm like, any of them. And he said, no, you give the first apple. And I'm like, what? He's like, you give the first to the Lord. I said, what do you mean? He said, Alan, in addition to tithing, there's this principle of first fruits. And, you know, you give the first of your, your, your income to the Lord. And I'm like, ah, that, that kind of feels like a little bit religious-y. Because let me, into, let me <clears throat> let you into behind the scenes. AJ and I get paid on the first and the 15th of every month. Right? Our salary comes in on the first and on the 15th. I don't know if it's the same for you. But in the first half of the month, that's when all my expenses are there. Like my mortgage is there, car payments, uh, you know, cell phone, electric, gas, utilities, you know, all that stuff. So just on paper, on, let's say, what are we in? October. The first, I would get paid on the first. And by the time most of my expenses have come out, I don't have enough money to tithe. But no problem, I get paid on the 15th. So on the 15th, I pay my tithe for the whole month of October. I pay the tithe on the first paycheck and on the second paycheck. Are you still with me? But I'm here and Lyle say, well, that's good, Alan. That's good that you're giving, but that's not a biblical tithe. Whoa. I mean, I was just, I was like, what? I'm like, but at the end of the day, it's still 10%. He's like, oh, yeah, you're giving the Lord 10%, but you're not tithing. I was like, really? Like, I remember leaning in like, really? And he's like... Dude, all I can tell you is what the Bible says. I mean, you're free to do whatever you want, but, you know, if you're going to tithe biblically, this is what it says. I remember leading in to Lyle and saying, Lyle, really? 
And he's like, I don't know, Alan. And then Bareface says this to me. I don't know, Alan, but how much faith does it really take to pay God last? <laughs> I was like, and I thought we were friends. <laughs> Honestly, my first response to him saying, well, ah, it's just religious. Like, when, did, when does it go? You know, when all the dust settles, I'm not robbing God. He's getting his 10%. Everything's fine. But man, I was convicted. Never heard that principle ever. <clears throat> he also said, hey, you realize that Jesus was God's tithe to us. He sacrificed his first son in the hope of getting many sons and daughters. He didn't wait to see how many you would get and then sacrifice them. I was like, <laughs> So I was convicted. I was convicted by a couple of things. I was convicted that God wasn't getting his tithe first and I was convicted by the level of giving that AJ and I were giving it. Now, understand, we, we were giving. Now, I, I don't know where to break in the story. Let me tell you this. I'll finish this story, and then I'll tell you a different story. So I go home, and I tell AJ. I was like, babe, I just, she was like, how was lunch with Lyle? I was like, babe, you are never going to believe what Lyle just told me. And I just, just tell her everything that Lyle had told me. And I said, Babe, I think we need to start giving our tithe on the 1st and not the 15th. And my wife was like, well, how's that going to work? Because you realize we have all these expenses. I said, I know. I don't know if I'm being financially irresponsible. Because when I write that check on the 1st, oh, it can be cashed. But all the other expenses of I have coming out in the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th... <gasps> Like, am I being financially irresponsible? Doing, I don't even know, but I feel convicted. And his words of how much faith does it take to pay God last is burning in my ears. And I was like, babe, in addition to that, I know that we're giving above the tithe. I want to increase the amount we're giving. She's like, let me get this straight. Now, my wife, you know, if you know AJ, she's, uh, she's got tons of faith. So she's like, babe, I think you're right. I think we need to do that. So here's what we did. We made a commitment to do a couple of things that day. And really what I'm going to share with you is not radical. It's basically three levels of financial stewardship you find all the way through Scripture. Wow, wow, wow. The first thing is we decided to tithe first. Now, please understand, we had tithed our whole married life. We tithed our whole lives individually. There's another story I need to tell you that happened before Lyle and I had this conversation, but I'll tell you that in a second. The number one change that we made for meeting with Lyle is that we started tithing first. Then what we decided to do was we decided to give. Now, I need you to understand something. Giving in Scripture is anything above and beyond the tithe. You do not give the tithe to the Lord. You bring and return it to him. You cannot give to somebody what they already own. Right? So if I borrow Lyle's car and return it on the Tuesday, go, I'd like to gift you a car. He's just like, uh, bro, like you're just, I have, you know, you're just returning what was mine already. So we'd already been givers. At least we'd like to think that we'd already been giving. But I realized that our giving was how shall we say, when I look back on paper, I realized we were giving way less than we intended to give. 
So in addition to giving our tithe, AJ and I made a commitment. We're going to tithe X percent. We, we decided, we made this decision inspired by these guys to give more than 10%. And in addition to that, we decided to take a percentage of not only our income, but anything that was given to us. Anything that comes through our hands, we will tithe plus plus, so like more than 10%, and we will give X percent. We just made that decision. We're going to give it away. We're going to keep it in a separate account. Uh, my conviction, which I think scripture teaches, is our tithe goes to the local church, our giving goes outside the local church. I mean, it can go to the local church too. But uh, uh, we've never tithed to support missionaries, we've given to support missionaries. We've never tithed uh, for disaster relief. The tithe always goes to the local church, and we've given out of, uh, above and beyond that. So we set aside a decision that we're always going to give. We set up a separate account, we keep a, uh, you know, a log of what we're giving, and then we're on the lookout for people to give to. Do you know how much excitement that brings me? Every month, I've got a dollar amount in my head that sets out of my budget that I'm going to give to somebody, and I'm going to surprise them, and I absolutely love that. And then while we were there, Lyle recommended a book, which I'm going to recommend to you in a second, and in reading this book, no word of a lie, to my understanding, hand on heart, it is the only book that when I read it, I could not get through it. Three times reading this book, I got face down on the carpet. I'm reading this book, and I'm so in awe of the content, I'm face down, and I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what it takes to make me like this person in this book, but I am so inspired, would you do this in my life? And I was terrified. I was in awe, and I was terrified. But in this book, it talks about having a mindset of being prepared to give when it hurts. I was raised in Scotland, and uh, the difference between a Scotsman and a canoe is a canoe is likely to tip. Right? Copper wire was invented by two Scotsmen fighting over a penny. Right? So historically, this is the way my generosity outlook has been. Like, I tithe, this 90% is mine. Right? Then I start giving. You know, and so whenever people would do offerings, I wouldn't feel convicted because I'm like, I already tithe. I'm fine. And the Lord was like, yeah, but you've, you've tithed, but you still have a poverty mentality. And I was like, I don't want to have a poverty mentality. I want to be able to give. And so AJ and I began asking God, would you prepare our hearts to be able to give when it hurts? So we make this commitment. Lord, we're tithing plus plus, and we're tithing at the first of the month instead of the 15th. We're determined to give X percent of our, uh, everything that comes our way, not just income. Any increase, we're going to give. And Lord, we're asking that you would give us opportunities to give radically, that we would be obedient, that you would interrupt our lives, and we'd have the opportunity to give in a radical way. Here's what I've learned. It's obedience that leads to the killer testimonies we all want. Everybody wants the testimony, nobody wants the test. No word of a lie. I tell you the truth. I meet Lyle. Lyle, maybe your memory's better. Maybe my memory's hazy. I meet with Lyle. I come home. I tell AJ the same day. We make a commitment to do these three things. The very next day, somebody walks up to me and gives me a check for $30,000. Who is the first person I call? This guy. <gasps> Bro, you would not believe what just happened. Like, we haven't even done anything except just decided how we're going to do this. And here we are thinking, how would we possibly be able to give our tithe on the first of the month? And is this financial irresponsibility? No, it's like so much. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was 2016. Wow. 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 
Now, here's the thing. We hadn't actioned anything at that point. We had just made a commitment, and God backed us up. Now, 2016, if I'm honest, was littered with financial miracles, right? In part, speaking to Lyle and Allie, and part of it was just what the Lord was doing. When the clock turned to 2017, I was made aware of a mindset that was like, well, 2016 was exceptional, but, you know, it's just time to get back to normal life. You know, you can't expect to live like that in those mountaintop experiences. And the Lord came to me and he rebuked me and he said, who taught you to think like that? I was like, well, I'm just trying to be reasonable. And he says, do you find me being reasonable in the pages of the Bible? And I was like, I don't know why you're being so mad at me here, Lord. I'm trying to be reasonable. And the Lord said, well, if I call you from glory to glory, where does reasonable fit in? If that was your 2016, why would you have an expectation that your 2017 would be less glorious than 2016? What if I want to do more in 2017 than you could imagine in 2016? I was like, well, that I'm not sure that sounds like you, Lord. He's like, really? You don't think it sounds like me to do abundantly more than you could ask or imagine? Well, I never really thought about that in the financial sphere. Well, it had me confused. And what the Lord did in 2017 was massage me into a place of great discomfort about my, my prioritizing lack as godliness. Wow. Wow. Now, I, I preached four sermons. If you're interested, you just reach out to me on Twitter and I'll, I'll give you a link to them. I have no idea what I said. It's just up here. It's just like a bunch of monkeys just juggling. <laughs> and I'm just free flowing. So listen to the podcast tomorrow. Uh, So really the Lord was massaging my heart into my understanding that what I quantified as godliness or maturity, the Lord was just like, you're just stewarding your lack really, really well. You're just calling like you're, you know, you're just like, I am so proud of the lack of my life. And the Lord's like, actually, that's not what I've called for you. And so I preached this whole sermon at Emily, which is our young adult ministry. And it was the most excruciating sermon I've ever preached. I hated it. I hated preaching it because I felt so vulnerable, so transparent. And at least I finished and I just think, praise God, I never have to preach that again. And then my senior pastor calls me out and says, Alan, I just heard you preach this killer series at Emily. Would you preach it a Sunday morning? I'm like, no. So I get up and I preach this and I just talk about all the discomfort that the Lord's doing in bringing me into abundance. And I feel like the Lord's saying, I actually want you to share about what you're doing. And here's the problem. What I was doing was I was keeping a ledger. I felt like the Lord, I had, a godly, I had godly parents. My mom would always say, count your blessings, name them one by one. Did anyone sing that old song? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what the Lord has done. And then I forget the rest. So I built an Excel spreadsheet with dates of every time we gave and everything we received. Because the Lord was like, hey, if you're going to do this, you need to see that it works. Because the heart is a slow learner. So I was like, right, I'm going to write this down. And then the Lord said, hey, now that you're writing this down, I want you to share it with everybody. I was like, what? He's like, now that you're writing this down, I want you to share this with everybody so that people know you're not teaching theory, you're teaching practice. I was like, oh, fantastic. So I get up in front of my church and I talk to them. I talk to them about our giving, which is embarrassing because nobody talks in America about, you know, if I say, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Where are you from? How much do you earn? (laughs) That's not your leading question. So I stood up and I said, hey guys, I, I want to talk to you about uh, giving. And I, I want to demonstrate for you what it's been like in the Jones household. 
And so I'm going to show you the graph from last year. I'm going to show you, I'm not going to go through month by month, but I am going to talk about uh, January of last year, and then I'll show you 2017. We'll talk a little bit about 2018. And so the... The graph I'm going to show you, you need to understand, recorded on this is not our tithe and not our salary. The reason we don't record our tithe is because we don't give our tithe, we bring and return it. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, there's no point in me boasting about doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right. right? What I'm going to show you in the giving is the giving above and beyond the tithe. Okay? And what I'm going to show you in the receiving is not our salary. Now, to be sure, as Pastor Lyle said, our salary is a blessing. But what I'm showing you is what happened above and beyond. So picture the scene. I'm getting up in front of my church, and I'm just, like, undressing financially. Like, hey, guys, have you seen this birthmark? You know, I'm just showing them <laughs> everything about, like, the insides of our giving, and it was horrible. So in January last year, we gave close to $1,000 away. We gave $969 to be exact. And in January, we were given over $5,000. Wow, wow. Now, neither of those include our tithe and include our salary. Now, you're probably thinking, well, if I was given an extra $5,000, I'm pretty sure I could give away $1,000. But here's the fascinating thing about recording things line by line with dates. We never saw any of that $5,000 until we gave away the first thing we had. You might be thinking, well, again, if I had $969 available in my budget, I'd be able to give that away. But you misunderstand. We had nothing in our budget. In fact, we got to January. Do you remember January? It follows Christmas. Remember, like, around Christmas time, you forget everything Dave Ramsey ever taught you? <laughs> and January, you'd, like, have a spending hangover. You're like, oh, Jesus. I need to go do Financial Peace University again, you know? So this is January, but we've made this commitment to give. And I'm looking at the thing, and it's like, we made this decision to give X percent of our salary. So what are we going to do? Well, we had nothing, like all of our expenses, and we wanted to be you know, committed. But here's what we did have is we had a gift that was on its way that was being delivered late to our family. You know when you order stuff online and Chris was really busy, and so FedEx couldn't deliver it beforehand. And so the Lord, one day I'm journaling with the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, you know that thing that's coming to you? And I was like, uh-huh. He's like, I want you to give that away. And I was like, but it's mine. <laughs> Literally, that's what I was like, but it's mine. And the Lord's like, you have three of them already. Yeah, but I wanted four. And I was like, great. I mean, your choice. It's times like that when scriptures that we've memorized are invitations to become a reality. You guys realize scripture isn't just there to be cross-stitched on a pillow, right? Or make a great bumper. They're to be lived out. Give, and it will be given to you. I'm like, I would like it to be given to me first, and then I would give. But that's not the way it happens. So we give away this little thing. That, by the way, I don't even pay for it. It was a gift coming to me. So literally, it's cost me nothing except obedience. So I give away. This thing comes, you know, and I know the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So it's like, here you go. I hope you enjoy it. And so I give it away. No, and I just record it in my ledger. Gave away this, and I put in the dollar amount of what it would have cost. I don't even pay for it. No sooner had I given that than we were given a financial gift. I don't know what it is. I could look it up on my spreadsheet. We're given a financial gift. 
a check in the mail. We're like, this is amazing. Out of that check in the mail, we tithe plus plus on that and gave according to what we said we were going to do. And when we gave that away, we got more. And then we did that and that and that. And before you know it, by the end, even though we had nothing to give, by the end of the month, we were able to give away $969. And then when we looked, we were like, we were just given $5,000. Now, I want to clarify, it's not that we were given $5,000 cash. We were given lots of cash gifts, but that $5,000 included, we went to stay, AJ and I's wedding anniversaries in January. We went to go stay, uh, we went on a trip, and we you know, went on Airbnb. And when we get there, they're like, we just want to give you the rental for free. Wow. So what the rental would have been, I don't know, like $2,500 just written off. So we put $2,500 in the received column. Because how many of you know that God can give and not just in numbers? Oh, this is the model that we followed all year. Now, you would think that you would wake up in February ready to give. No, you wake up in February with mammon going, are you really going to do that stupid thing again? It's never going to work. And look how important, you know, and you've got tax coming up. And, you know, what if you owe? And, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, fear often masquerades as wisdom. Whispering. You know, shame speaks harshly to its host. So we're just like, no, we already made a commitment. We proved in January that we can stare down February's voices. So February, the game started again. Let me fast forward. This is uh, 2017. We're going to need a different scale, which I'm going to show you in a second. But to get where I'm going, last year, we gave over a little over $14,000, and we received a little over $60,000. Above and beyond. Oh, it got silent in there. What just happened there? I'll explain what just happened there in a second. So we gave above and beyond our tithe over $14,000 and received above and beyond our income or anything we were expecting a little over $60,000. That is a 343% return on investment. I don't know a stock option that returns better than that value. Let me reiterate, this spread was over 12 months. Every month we'd think, are we going to do this again? 2018 turns around and we're like, are we going to do this again? Actually, by the time 2018, we were like, we know this thing works. We're pumped. We're ready to go. I'm not going to tell you dollar amounts, but I'm going to tell you percentage. This year, the Lord has returned over 500% return on investment. Wow, wow. This is why I know God is not after your money. If he was after your money, why would he give so much of it back to you? He's after our idols. And he's after the little voice that says, if I give, God will not provide. God is trying to prove to us in our midst that he is our provider. And so if I could be bold, I'd like to challenge you. Now, I'm a guest speaker in this house, so take this with a pinch of salt. Like, I, you know, I wouldn't like people coming to my church and telling my people what to do, but maybe this is the last time Lyle will ever invite me. But <laughs> while I've got the microphone, let me encourage you, commit to tithing. If you tithe periodically, as in, Throughout the year, like, oh, I suppose I should give 10%. You're not a tither, you're a terrible tipper. Right? If you come here but tithe elsewhere, 
That's like eating uh, a Virago and then driving over to J. Alexander's and paying the bill at J. Alexander's for the food you ate in Virago. If you're here and part of this church, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to implore you that, that you, you, you want to tithe. Don't make it optional. I never think about tithing. Why? Because I set it up automatically and you can do it too. I never have to do math. Whenever I get paid, it just automatically comes out of my account. It's the very first thing that happens. Then I want to encourage you, and you're like, are you kidding me, Alan? Do you realize how little money I have? And you're asking me to give this? It's the whole thing that Lyle said last week. Do you want 100% of your income to be anointed by mammon? Or 10% of your, your, or 90% of your salary to be blessed by God? What I learned is God does not honor theoretical giving. Your money is only blessed when you give it away. When I think about, oh, I should give this, that doesn't actually help me. It's when I release it, (sighs) (laughs) that's when the miracle happens. So in addition to tithing, I'm going to encourage you to give. Just take, start with, take 10% of your, 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 uh, your salary and just say 10%. I'm just straight to the Lord. Don't even question it. And then take, just try this, take 1% of your salary. Just work out what that is for the month and purpose. I'm going to give that away to somebody. Just pray about who to give it to or just when you over, you know how much fun it is when I hear about people's financial needs that in addition to praying about it, I can give towards it. He gets it. I'm worried about the rest of you. <laughs> How many of you heard the amazing true stories of missionaries? I mean, you've heard this before. There's no food, and the, but the parents said, just lay the table because the Lord's going to provide, and they lay the table, and they're just, you know, they're like, this feels dumb. We're laying the table. We have no food, and then yeah. knock at the door. Somebody opens the door and goes, hey, I just prepared this dinner for my family, but I just, you know, heard this thing, and so, you know, here, and I have to go off to the hospital, and the food is being provided. I love stories like that, but actually, I want to be the person knocking on the door <laughs> rather than the person laying the tables. Yeah. The way you do that is you start small. Yeah. Don't count little as lack. Yeah. The little boy who only had fishes and loaves, the Lord multiplied that to feed 5,000 people. Yeah. You can kickstart a miracle in your own life by deciding deciding to give. So determine to give, and then remember, God measures the heart, not the amount. And then keep your heart open to sacrifice. Remember, God's plan is tithe, give, give when it hurts. Let me tell you one other story. I've got three minutes. About two minutes. A number of years ago, before we met Lyle, uh, before I met Lyle for that lunch, AJ and I were talking about our, our giving. And, uh, you know, we moved here 10 years ago. And what AJ and I would do for dates, I'm, I'm not telling this as a sob story, I'm just telling this as a reality. What AJ and I would do for dates is we'd often go to Costco or we'd often go to Bed Bath & Beyond or Restoration Hardware and just wander around and dream about what it would be like to be able to afford some of this stuff. We had no expendable income, none at all. And we would just wander around and we would just dream, we would just talk. And, and I remember one night, this is a true story, AJ and I were walking around and AJ's like, you know what I would love? 
I would love some bar stools. Wouldn't that be great for that little... It's weird if it's breakfast bar but no bar stools. Yeah, you know what I'd really love is some drapes. Wouldn't that be great? You know what I was thinking would be great with three kids? It would be great. You know those big giant trampolines? You know the big giant ones? Wouldn't that be great if we'd have that? Oh, yeah. And so we go home. We're not thinking anything. We're just talking about our hearts. That month, we had decided to up our tithing from 10% to 11%. We just thought, ah, you know, this is before we'd, we'd, I'd met with Lyle. I just thought, yeah, we're going to do that. That's what we're going to do. And so I remember that month, we started tithing 11% instead of 10%. And that Sunday, we go, we give. That afternoon, we get a knock at the door, and standing there is a neighbor we have only met one time. We've lived here for three years. We met them once. On the day they moved, Dane AJ and I brought them groceries and just said, welcome to the neighborhood. As you're unpacking, look, we brought you some you know, meals. Had never spoken to them since, never even seen them. And they're st- they knock on the door, and they said, hey, uh, we're leaving, we're moving, but we're just wondering, do your kids want a trampoline? We got one of those giant trampolines, you know, with a big wall, and we're not going to take it with us, and we know you've got three small kids. Would you like that? And we're like... Yeah, they're like, well, come on over and get it. And so we're walking through the house. As we're walking through the house, the wife's like, hey, you guys don't need bar stools, do you? And she said, there's some bar stools there. You're welcome to them. And then she said, do you guys need drapes? Because we're, we're not going to take the drapes with us. You can have those if you want. Wow. And I remember leaving thinking, Lord, that was a 1% increase on the tithe. <sighs> See, here's the thing. You give what you do have, and you get what you could never have afforded. Yeah. 